0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional terms apply.
1: You know, every time I hear this at uh, the beginning of the hour, I say to myself, what took me so long to change theme songs from Change That Funky Music, White Boy? Anyway, uh, welcome. It is uh, Bowerly Loves on News Radio 930 WBEN. We made it to the end of the week, and I must tell you, this has been this has been one of the fastest-moving weeks uh, that I can recall. Maybe Maybe it's uh, just the fact that as you get older, time just speeds up and speeds up. I think it has something to do with uh, the holiday season because December uh, is already the 15th of December, and it seems like we're just in November. But uh, anyway, one of the programs we did this week, uh, we're all, uh, Tim Langer and uh, the entire crew here at WBEN, uh, we're very proud of. We did the Radiothon to benefit the SPCA serving Erie County, and we raised... um, a lot more money than we thought we were going to raise. And I think that it is important from time to time to update you, the generous donors who listen to News Radio 930 WBEN, on what your money does, what it is doing to let you know that it goes for a good cause. And uh, one of the stories in the news today has to do with the seizure of a bunch of farm animals, mostly chickens. And uh, joining us is the... uh, Chief of uh, Good Public Relations at the SPCA serving Erie County, uh, the right kind of PR. That's such an inside joke, but uh, just bear with us. Gina Latuka. You know, Gina, we might as well call this the Gina Latuka Show, and, and occasionally Tom Bowerly's here.
2: No, no, no. You want to keep listeners. Keep it yours.
1: Oh, stop. So, anyway, last night, uh, listening to the news, this morning listening to the news, heard the story about the animal seizure. Can you give us the particulars?
2: Yeah, this all started yesterday. We uh, received a call regarding a dog at a Cheektowaga residence, and uh, we went out there, our officers went out there yesterday to do a welfare check on that dog while they were there. Uh, One of the agents heard some noises coming from the garage, detected a foul odor. They walked over and looked in through a broken window. And what they saw inside of that garage, living in squalor, uh, like you said, more than 100 chickens in two makeshift pens, along with goats, a pig. There were deceased animals in the garage. There were some uh, chicken body parts in the garage. Outside of the house was a hutch with rabbits. Inside of the house, more rabbits and uh, dogs and a cat, two dogs and a cat. So all of these animals were rescued yesterday, brought right here to the SPCA's farm. And this is one of the things we were talking about the other day, that you, you can blink, and all of a sudden there are more than 100 animals to care for overnight.
1: And I, and again, this is something that, uh, thanks to the donors to the SPCA serving Erie County. One thing I did not point out the other day is you don't receive any uh, money from the government whatsoever, because if you did, that would mean that you'd be obligated to hire every political hack's third cousin uh, and 'er ne'er-do-wells to work there. So it is uh, 100% funded by by public donations. Um, The Uh, the shock of the officers responding to the scene. They've seen a lot over the years, but what were their, uh, as professionals, what were their visceral, uh, gut-level reactions to what they'd seen?
2: Well, I I have to tell you, the the reactions were varied between some of the officers because we have some of our seasoned officers. In fact, our chief investigative officer, Lindsay Wood, I don't know if you remember about 15, 20 years ago when that truck turned over on the 190 and there were literally 10,000 chickens running in the road. So her reaction to something like this is going to be very different than some of our newer agents who this might be the second or third case that they've seen of this nature. We always check in with them. We like to see emotionally how they're handling it. Some can handle the cases when it's the living animals, but when you see deceased animals or parts of animals around, uh-huh. sometimes that's what, what bothers them emotionally. There's always, especially in this line of work, there's always an emotional response. I mean, we're talking about animals, you know. There's always that emotional response to something like this.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you're dealing with uh, defenseless uh, creatures, uh, whether they be farm animals, whether they be uh, domesticated animals, whether you're talking about uh, senior citizens or children, uh, it does take an emotional toll, even on the most hardened and uh, veteran individual. Gina, one of the things we talked about the other day with uh, Chief, Chief Wood is um, the idea of, is is this some kind of a sickness? Is this a hoarding situation? Or was this uh do we have any information on how this whole situation got started why it got started can you put us in the light without jeopardizing the case
2: there are so many variables with this particular situation you know who's to say the conditions of the house were somewhat different than the conditions of this small garage where most of the animals were kept but when you look at hoarding or what some professionals are calling it animal collecting you they're starting to look at it and doctors what we're learning is that doctors are looking at it as a form of addiction addiction mm. that is not unlike being addicted to gambling being addicted to smoking there are people who will hoard or collect then it comes down to what is the item they'll be collecting there will there are people who will collect animals but we've seen it in, in two different situations we've seen people only collect animals that are alive. And then we've seen people collect animals and they can't bear to part with them even in death. So we'll go to some of these properties. Not only will we find several animals that are alive, but we will find several animals that are deceased. Some of them packed up I I mean, for lack of a better word, some of them packed up beautifully. But the, the person cannot bear to part with that animal even in death. We've seen it with wildlife. We've seen it with reptiles. We've seen it with domestic animals. It's a very curious addiction. It is known as a mental illness collectively. Now, I can't say that's what's happening in this particular situation. We just don't know. But so much more work is being done. We're learning more every day about this particular illness.
1: Uh, And I think it might have been you. It might have been Chief Wood. It might have been somebody else who said that the uh, psychiatrists have actually pinpointed a certain area of the human brain, which is responsible for if this is a hoarding situation, that kind of behavior.
2: Oh, yes. In fact, Tufts University did a tremendous amount of work in this in the 90s. They're continuing that work, but that's where you'll find a lot of information. And, you know, I do want to say, I don't want to say that all of these situations are a mental illness. Some of these situations that we have found, there are people who simply are in over their heads. There might be animals that are placed on their property, maybe dumped on their property, and they feel bad for the animal. They bring the animal in. All of a sudden, these people are in over their heads, but they do have the ability to recognize it. The problem is some of them think, well, what do I do now that I have these 40 cats? If I call the SPCA, they're going to charge me with animal cruelty. Now, that is not always the case. There are so many situations that we work on that don't make the news because they're not news stories, but we're helping people gradually try to thin out a little bit once they recognize that they're in over their heads. So I I don't want to imply, and I'm afraid it may have sounded like that earlier, I don't want to imply that all of these situations do involve uh, addiction or mental illness. Some of these situations are well meaning people who simply were in over their heads in a very short period of time and they don't know where to turn for help.
1: But in in this particular situation in Chittawaga, there have been charges filed, correct?
2: Not yet, not yet We're still examining the animals We're still working with them In order to be as thorough as possible And be as efficient as possible To guarantee as much action as possible We have to make sure that We don't rush this kind of process There are more than 150 animals now That have to be examined That need veterinary care That have to be fed We have to make sure we know What's going on with each individual animal Before we determine How many charges will be placed In situations like this in the past And we've talked about this When there are numbers like this We're talking about 150
1: You just kind of cut out After you said there have been some situations In the past, I lost you
2: Am I okay now? Can you hear me? Yes, yes We have had situations like this With 150 animals, maybe more But what we've learned is If we have an animal cruelty charge For every single one of those animals Even if the animals Some of them are not in as rough shape We could lose the entire case and have the entire case dismissed. So now what we'll do is process every single animal, determine which animal equals an animal cruelty charge. We want to be as realistic as possible. We want to be accurate as possible. And we're not in this just to get the people who do this. We're here to also try to help some of these people. So we don't want to be rash in a situation like this. Like we've talked about, there are more than 100 chickens along with goats, a dog, some cats. Uh, rabbits so we want to be very careful in how we process this.
1: You know Gina it's interesting because uh, we did a show on a couple of years ago now uh, about do, do you keep chickens on your property and uh, a number of people in fact there, there was a uh, there was a case uh, probably within the last year or so where uh, people actually uh, had their chickens stolen from a property I think it was in Niagara County uh, by animal rights people and uh, felt very violated. But the um, the biggest complaint or the biggest concern that I had called in amongst people who uh, have tried to raise chickens is... Not so much uh, from human beings, but it is from the natural predators in the neighborhood. We've talked about wildlife uh, in, in neighborhoods. And when when a fox is in a neighborhood and a fox is uh, near the hen house, I think we know how that's going to end up. And I don't know if you had a chance to hear the show at all yesterday, but I was unaware of that Niagara County, some of these old stone houses, and we, we it might happen elsewhere, but we just happen to take calls from Niagara County, are absolutely teeming with snakes. And one, one lady was in the shower, and it just started running the shower, and a snake poked his head up through the drain. Now, you know how I love snakes, but I'm not going to share a shower with a snake.
2: I'll never forget when I started here in 1990 and one of the very first calls that I saw our officers go out on was a woman calling and she was in a bedroom closet because she didn't realize that her son had just stopped feeding the snake, a very large snake. And I forgot what kind of a snake it was, but this snake apparently, because he was so hungry, he had the strength to take down the bedroom door. And she called us from the closet because she was petrified that that snake was going to take down the closet door and, and come for her. A hungry snake is not a snake you want to be around.
1: Good. I'm sorry, but that you should have called in yesterday because that would have added an extra layer to the yeah. program. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it so. As of right now, no charges have been filed. Each animal is going to be uh, individually evaluated. But this just goes to show the people who donated the other day how quickly the uh, tide and fortune of the SPCA serving Erie County can change. Because suddenly, you know, you, you have X number of dollars in the budget, and then suddenly you've got budget plus 150 or so animals that you now are responsible for taking care of.
2: That's right. And it's not just the the feeding and the housing. You know, we're talking about different levels of veterinary care. Now, of course, we're going to work making sure that these animals are living in the spotless conditions that we provide here. But, of course, all that can be very expensive, especially with some of the – from what I heard so far, I'm learning that some of the chickens are injured because all of these chickens were – shoved i have for lack of a better word shoved in two makeshift pens so they were all oh. literally on top of each other so now there's a certain level of veterinary care that will go into helping the injured chickens so it, you know it just goes on and on every day again now this could happen tomorrow again and all of a sudden after a weekend we'll have three four hundred animals to care for you just you don't know
1: of course i feel like a huge hypocrite because you're never going to guess what i had for lunch today a uh, chicken sandwich um so i I feel like a bit of a hypocrite here talking about chickens because I'm not exactly a uh, vegetarian uh, but uh in what what is going to be the next step in the situation after the evaluation of the animals after the veterinary care and, and how quickly does the uh, legal procedure move how how fast does the process go
2: well this one this may begin pretty quickly. The owner was issued an appearance ticket from our officer, and she'll be appearing in Chitawaga Town Court January 4th. So we don't have to wait too, too long on this one. None of the animals have been signed over at this point. We don't own any of these animals yet. But uh, I guess we'll wait and see now. Once charges are officially filed, we'll wait to see how quickly it moves.
1: Well, I uh, do thank you very much uh, for joining us, uh, Gina Latuca from the SPCA Serving Erie County. And it's just, uh, you know, who, who could have thought that the other day doing the radiothon to benefit the SPCA Serving Erie County, that within basically hours of the end of that radiothon, um, it, uh, it, it turned into a situation like that.
2: Yeah, well, it's another reason to thank all of your uh, listeners and to thank all of you over at WBEN.
1: Well, our pleasure as always, and uh, I thought I saw you uh, as I was leaving the uh, Odyssey party last night, Uh, but uh, you looked as though you and Joel were occupied, and I did not wish (laughs) to uh, disturb, and uh, I also also had uh, an engagement I needed to attend, so uh i'm glad you were able to show up and uh, have a good time
2: well thank you so much and thanks again for that radiothon i'll tell you when something like this happens like you said you can't predict it but it just goes to show how important these donations are we're so thankful
1: indeed thank you uh, very much gina latuka from the spca serving erie county and uh, again ladies and gentlemen that is uh that's uh, a great reason uh why we do the uh, uh, program to benefit the SPCA serving Erie County, and uh, we thank you for your uh, generous donations. Now, I mentioned the party last night, and uh, you'd be happy to know that Tommy was a good boy at the party last night. No, I ended up not wearing a suit. I ended up doing what everybody should do for a Christmas party, I ended up wearing a uh, Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirt. I felt it kind of fit with the whole holiday theme, frankly. Uh, But we do want to give a shout-out to all of the businesses that helped to make uh, the Odyssey holiday party a success. Jeff and Mandy Cook and their team from this little... Pig all oh my goodness all the delicious food uh, they recently moved to Main Street in Clarence Hollow menu style American cuisine featuring scratch cooking awesome hardwood smoked barbecue and creative seasonal menu open for lunch and dinner holiday specials gift card incentives right now for every $100 you spend you receive $25 in bonus bacon bucks from thislittlepigeats.com. They also have a satellite location uh, barbecue by this little pig in Alden. Also Hartman's Distilling Company serving up their Loganberry melon and cucumber hard seltzers. I stuck with the Loganberry. Best of 716 winner for happy hour and fan favorite cocktails on Chicago Street in downtown Buffalo. 1911 hard cider. Outlet Liquor for all of the wine on George Urban Boulevard in Depew. Great everyday deals on wine and spirits. The perfect place to stock up and save for holiday entertaining. Tops Friendly Markets. Sweet Treats from Gullows Bakery. Frost Artisan Bakery by Rich's. 716 Sound for the music and lighting for Busted Stuff. Uh, Busted Stuff, they are absolutely terrific. A duo and they play songs that you know, but they play them like you've never heard them before. And I saw them at a private party. I've seen them out at various gigs, uh, busted stuff, very, very good. And uh, they get quite a following in Florida, by the way. And also Snappy Dry Cleaner on Transit Road in the Transit Town Plaza for providing the uh, coat check for the party. So thanks to everybody who was part of the Odyssey Holiday Party, and uh, all of the people who uh, showed up. It was hard to keep track of. Uh, <laughs> hard to keep track of everybody, but a, a splendid time was had by all. It is uh, 227 at News Radio 930 WBEN. Bowerly with you. And what are we going to get into next? Well, it'll be, uh, I think, interesting. And you're just going to have to wait to find out on News Radio 930 WBEN.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Oh, good tune. Bowerly, News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome to the uh, program. Good to have you with us. And yesterday, uh, toward the end of the show, uh, Joe Beamer uh, came for the uh, Odyssey. A holiday party, and got into a little conversation with Joe about what happened almost one year ago. Now, this is the 15th of December, and the blizzard of 22 started on the 22nd of December. But we started telling you, well, Andy Parker started telling you uh, of the looming storm uh, many days prior to it actually hitting. And, you know, everybody, one of the things that I found out over the years uh, doing this program is when you have an epic storm like that, and a tragically epic storm like that, in which we literally lost more than twice as many human lives as we did during the blizzard of 1977, for reasons about which I can only hypothesize and not actually offer the uh, final answer. Uh, but you look out the window right now, and it's hard to believe that just about a year ago, we were looking at a storm that can best be described as a generational affair. Uh, for many of us, well, some of us anyway, of a certain age, uh, we remember very vividly the blizzard of 1977, and that, to me, was the storm of a lifetime. Uh, there, I don't think... I don't think that there is ever, well, I hope there's never going to be a storm like 1977 because it was absolutely horrible. But the December 22 blizzard was also horrible, and surprisingly, it, as I mentioned, claimed twice as many lives as the blizzard of 1977. Now, one of the things uh, that came out yesterday during the Mark Poloncar's meeting with reporters is uh, they're going to set up a portal. A portal so people can find out whether or not they are essential workers. And I'm sorry, but whether it's Mark Polankar's or Donald Trump or whomever uh, who is having this kind of a reaction to the storm, it seems to me that it's a total deflection away from why we lost so many people and why the storm was as devastating to so many lives as it was. Um, The issue here is not who is an employee who is essential. Uh, The issue is what did the county, city, and the various municipalities do wrong during the blizzard of 22? And You know, we've talked about this uh, a little bit before, but I think it, it merits some additional conversation. One of the things that I think was done wrong is the entire area, my opinion, the entire area should have been closed to all but essential workers by Friday morning, okay? Like Friday at midnight, I think every road in the area should have been shut down, for all but essential traffic. I think there should have been signs. You know, those those signs on the throughway. anybody heading toward Buffalo, because let's face it, not everybody listens to AM radio anymore. Uh, people are busy with their various entertainment systems in their cars. It's not like the old days where you had a radio on and the radio would say, hey, Buffalo is going to get hit with this major snowstorm. There are a lot of people who are absolutely clueless walking around, and they're Faces are buried into their cell phones. And even if something scrolls across their news feed, they don't pay attention. Um, And then, and, and look, I'm just as guilty as anybody else at times of burying my face in a cell phone. But it's not usually for entertainment purposes. It's for purposes of figuring out what I'm going to talk about on the show, getting some background, looking stuff up that uh, I can share with you guys if it uh, comes up and if it is appropriate. Um, And then, let's face it, there were a number of people who died uh, in the blizzard of 22 for whom nothing could be done. Uh, Many homeless people were among those who died. And unfortunately, even if they knew it was coming, you simply cannot drag somebody in and put them in a warm place and hope for the best. Uh, there were people, I remember there were people going to the various locations where homeless are known to congregate in Buffalo and in the burbs, for that matter as well, saying, Hey, there's a big storm coming. We've got a shelter set up. Would you come with us? And they didn't. And I can remember one particularly uh, bad storm within the past few years, uh, where you know even in good old Williamsville, uh, we lost a homeless individual uh, who was known and beloved by the entire village um, because he just he refused the offer of a free room to keep him warm, and he froze to death at a bus stop. And unfortunately, for whatever reason. There are people who simply cannot be helped, even if you have the best intentions and even if you have outstanding accommodations for them uh, in which to reside and ride out the weather. Um, I I am curious uh, about a couple of things here as we approach the one-year anniversary of the December 22 blizzard. Um, First of all, now that we've had a chance to kind of Sit back and think about what could have been done that was not done. What suggestions would you make for the mayor of Buffalo? What suggestions would you make for the Erie County executive? What suggestions would you make for the mayors uh, of the various municipalities, the town supervisors of the various towns in the area? What could have been done differently that would have reduced the death toll? Now, In my opinion, I could be wrong, but that's why we open up the phone lines. In my opinion, many of the deaths could not have been prevented because of mental health issues. And for whatever reason, and I will never understand it, even if somebody is offered shelter from the storm, they don't always want to take advantage of it. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't want to lose. I don't know what it is. They don't want to lose their spot under the bridge. I have no idea. But many of the deaths, not all, but many of the deaths were, at the end of the day, probably not preventable, okay, at least not in, in a short-term solution. Um, some of the deaths, of course, people in their cars, uh, one terrible story involved a nurse and I'm sure that you've heard other horrible stories of things that happened during the blizzard of 22 uh, and I remember my brother came in to do just a, an hour or two of radio that day and I felt horrible I should have called him and said dude don't even bother trying to get here I will just cover for you because he came in and he was he was white he was white as a ghost because he lives very close to the radio station and I could not believe it took him as long as it did to get to the radio station and everything he had to go through to get to the radio station. And I feel guilty about that. I should have just said, Dick, don't, don't do it. It's not worth it. So personally, I feel guilty. But what should the officials have done differently? And what I keep on coming back to in my mind is everything should have been shut down Uh, At the end of the day on Thursday night, like Friday at midnight, there should have been a driving ban put in effect. And frankly, although I don't have any power whatsoever uh, at all, in the least, I should have been stamping my feet up and down saying, Hey, Mr. Mayor, Mr. County Executive, why don't you close the roads? We know that this thing is going to hit we know it's going to be a generational storm so let's get the roads closed to try to minimize the number of people on the roads and you knew it was going to be a horrible storm when early on friday morning when it hit the two major grocery stores in town said closing our doors at that moment the severity of the situation truly hit home with me as i was driving into the radio station very early in the morning uh there was no way that you could escape the magnitude of what was about to hit us here in western new york and then the other thing that i will remember vividly as far as wow this really is going to be bad is when they lowered the gates on the on-ramps to the throughway. at that moment the reality of the situation hit me. But the thing that I keep getting back to as far as what could have been done differently is not a portal to figure out who is an essential employee. I think you pretty much know if you are an essential employee. I mean, I know that I'm an essential employee, a police officer, a doctor, a nurse. They know they are essential employees. They don't need need to be told. They don't need a portal to figure out whether or not they are essential employees. I mean, can, can we agree on that? I mean, do you know, one of the questions I have to ask you is, do you know whether or not you are an essential employee in the event of an emergency? I mean, I know it's it, 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 it was that way during COVID. It was that way during uh, other storms that we've had. And, in fact, during the uh, uh, during the pandemic, at the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, we were all issued, believe it or not, formal Um, pieces of paper, government-issued pieces of paper that stated we were entitled to be out, we were entitled to be driving around, we were entitled to basically uh, own the roads because we were essential employees. And many of you who are also essential employees, you received those little documents from the government as well. I wish I would have saved mine. I think I threw it out in my rush to get rid of clutter in the house but do you really need a county portal to determine whether you are essential? Uh, to me, this is it, – it, I, I see no purpose for that whatsoever. And I think it is a real deflection from the failure. And I, I'm not going to put this all on Mark Poling cars, I'm not going to put it all on Byron Brown. Um, there are a lot of people with a lot of juice in the community. And they've got access that I don't have And they could have been on the phone saying, are you aware that meteorologist Andy Parker, are you aware that the National Weather Service has put out these important bulletins? And I have said this before, and I'm going to say it again, that the reality of everything, it it, it was a slowly building sense of impending doom, if I may use that word, that things were going to get very bad very quickly when the day before it hit, the National Weather Service issued a statement in which it said travel in the area will be difficult to impossible. I'm sorry, when I see the words difficult to impossible travel, I'm pretty sure that it it was going to be difficult to impossible, and that's exactly what proved to be the case. But If you are essential, do you not know that you are essential? Is a portal really going to make a difference? That idea seems to me to be, frankly, a useless idea. And by the way, how are people going to get into a portal if they don't have electricity? How are people going to get into a portal if their cell phones ran out of juice and they don't have any way to charge the cell phone? It just seems to me like an absolute waste of time, a waste of money. I see no purpose to it whatsoever. People who are essential employees in the event of an emergency, I think know that they are essential employees. You may agree. You may disagree with that. I would love to hear from you. And obviously, if you work at a grocery store, and the grocery store makes the announcement, and look, maybe the grocery stores should have said, We will be closed effective midnight on Thursday heading into Friday because this weather is nothing to mess with and we don't want to put our customers, we don't want to put our employees in any danger whatsoever. So the thing, the issue that I keep getting back to is this whole area should have been shut down to vehicular traffic uh, effective Friday at midnight. Not later than that, Friday at midnight to make everything as clear as possible for the emergency people who, by the way, couldn't get anywhere anyway. And it was – that's, that's so so many things that I remember from the blizzard of 2022, and I, I wonder what you remember most from what happened a year ago, well, almost a year ago on the dot. Uh, let's get to some calls, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Deb in Niagara County, you are on. Hello.
3: Hi, Tom. Yeah, just in response to your question about the essential workers, I'm a retired nurse and was a a community health nurse for years, so we are essential workers. Uh, We're the ones driving the roads, listening to WBEN at night and at all hours, along with the hospice nurses. But anyhow, I thought I knew what essential workers were for years until I heard an ad. I believe it was from New York State. Uh, yesterday and then again today states something about a new program for all essential workers which would include restaurants our essential businesses and restaurant workers i don't i that's something new how how and when was that determined that the wait, waiters and waitresses and restaurants are essential during a blizzard uh, i disagree uh, with the that restaurant. that,
1: story, that- I, I will confess to you that that story. I'm en- embarrassed to admit it, but uh, that story uh, that that slipped under my radar. It it flew it flew stealth at low altitude. I missed it. Uh-huh. Uh, so no, that's
3: just my comment. I'll hang up and see if anybody else. Well,
1: knows I, I'd, like, I'd like I'd like if you could just give me some more information. Uh, can you tell me where you heard that story? Uh, and uh, you, you heard it, it over the ad. past few days.
3: Yeah, I, yesterday I heard it, and then again this morning. Yeah, on, on the TV, I don't know what station would be, like a local 247. I usually have on spectrum news in the morning. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. One of those stations, local stations, had an ad, and I think it was something from New York State, that talking about a program and essential workers and snowstorms, and included in those were nurses, firemen, policemen, and restaurants and restaurant workers. I disagree with that. I don't think a, a waiter or waitresses or even a, a restaurant to be open. Who in God's name is going to go to a restaurant during a blizzard? I, I, I just, I'd like to know when that was determined and what was the criteria because I feel that's putting the restaurant staff in jeopardy. And I think it's not necessary to have restaurants open during a blizzard. I, that was, like, one that's really I knew New, New York State has, <clears throat> you know, revised a lot of things lately, and th- but this really took me by surprise. So I well, don't you know.
1: know. I- I spent a lot of time I spent a lot of time online and I just looked it up online and I'm not seeing restaurant workers listed as essential workers but whether it is or is not I mean I'd like more information Tom at wbem.com. I'll sort through the thousands of other emails I receive but uh, wow. you're, you are absolutely right restaurants couldn't open even if they wanted to open and how could you possibly put the lives of cooks? and bar staff and wait staff on the line for a business that nobody can get to anyway.
3: And, and it's optional. I mean, who, you know, in, in, a, in a true emergency, who's going to want to go up, take their family and come out to eat? I uh, mean, I, I don't know. But anyhow, if I can find out any more about it, I'll...
1: Yeah, I was I was looking. I, I did not I did not find anything. Maybe somebody's got uh, the answer. Somehow I, I missed that. Uh, thank you kindly. 803-0930 is the uh, phone number. Star nine thirty on the cell phone. One 616 six W B E N. You know that does remind me though of during COVID, essential businesses. Um, liquor stores were considered essential businesses, and here here is the explanation that I got for that. That and this is this is kind of scary. It's kind of frightening in a way. There are so many people who are alcoholic uh, in the United States and in New York State that without access to alcohol, uh, they were going to have severe withdrawal symptoms, the DTs, from not being able to get alcohol. So a lot of people had this issue with liquor stores being considered essential businesses during the pandemic, and uh, upon upon further review – I feel like I should have a yellow flag here. But as far as upon further review, at least I can see some logic in that. Now, essential workers during a uh, an acute blizzard like we had last year, uh, no. because And let's put it this way. Even if you – and this, this is where kind of common sense, I think, needs to enter into things. Even if you were an essential employee – And let's just say, hypothetically, you worked at a restaurant or you worked at a liquor store, you could not possibly have gotten to work, number one. Number two, who in their right mind would get into their car to go to the liquor store because they wouldn't be considered essential workers? So if restaurant were – and again, I don't know anything about this. I've looked it up, and I cannot find independent verification of this. But just let's, let's use some common sense. Even if restaurant workers are considered essential workers, well, if the clientele and patrons of a restaurant are not considered essential workers, what's the point of having a business open that other people cannot visit? And I'm like, what? Uh, that that does not make a lot of sense to me. But, again, that story slipped underneath the uh my personal radar in this uh, flurry of information age that we have, I have maintained uh, for quite some time that we have information overload. Now, whether that's the truth or whether she heard the story wrong, I do not know. But what, I mean, a couple of things um, enter into the horizon here. Uh, your personal uh, stories from the blizzard of 22. It's been almost a year. And what should government and our local leaders have learned from that storm. And I think the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway from the blizzard of 22 is that the roads should have been closed. Region-wide, effective midnight Thursday heading into Friday because everybody knew it was coming. There was no debate. There was no argument. Everybody was on the same page. We talked recently with uh, meteorologist Andy Parker about that very thing. Everybody was on the same page. So that my biggest criticism of government, statewide, locally, and this has nothing to do with politics whatsoever, they should have been a lot more on the ball than they were. And I do believe there are reasons they weren't, which we'll get into coming up in the next hour. Let me give you the phone number on WBEN. Uh, it's, it's always fascinating looking back after an event, at what you could have done differently, and then you have the uh, the things that you think of right after a storm, and then you have things that you think of maybe a year after the storm, and uh, that's where I want to kind of go at least for a little bit here on News Radio 930 WBen. Um, if you want to call in, good time to do it would be at about 3:04 or so as uh, Tom Puckett is uh, wrapping up the newscast. But I would love your thoughts on this because you guys usually have a lot better ideas than the politicians do and better ideas than I do. And I look, I should have been stamping my feet up and down saying, Mr. Poling cars, Mayor Brown, close down the roads at midnight. We know it's going to be bad. Don't wait any later. 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. I'm really looking forward to what you guys have to say because uh, that storm, has stayed with many of us internally in our in our minds uh, for the past year, and with good reason. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN.